Praise God. You know, I think Isaiah knew what he was talking about when the Lord inspired him to say, this is the rest and this is the refreshing. Uh, With stammering lips and another tongue will I speak to this people, he said. And uh, there's nothing quite like being refreshed by praying in the Spirit, Uh, praying in other tongues. And uh, it is a rest, it is a refreshing. For years and years, I, uh, well, let's see here, probably about 20 years, I was born again and not filled with the Holy Ghost, and then I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, like I like to tell people, I got a brand new Bible. And um, same pages, same words on the pages, but they came alive in a way I had never seen before. And I can remember, you know, thinking, I need to go to sleep. I need to go to sleep. But I was so like, I can't believe I'm seeing this. I've never seen this before. I've read this passage, and uh, I have never seen this before. And time and time again, uh, and still to this day, I guess because for so many years I was a Christian and had the Holy Spirit, wasn't full of the Holy Spirit, but had the Holy Spirit, and um, was so used to reading my Bible without the extra illumination that he brought me, that when he brought it to me, still to this day, I'll sit down and start reading the Word and just the life and the light that's there, it's just I, a grin comes to my face, and I'm, I'm just so thankful. And my wife was um, born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, what, immediately afterwards? Yeah. And so she'll ask me many times, so what's it like? Because I don't know what it's like to be born again and not filled with the Spirit, like right away afterwards. And so I'll tell her, and, you know, it's kind of funny, we'll you have different assumptions based on different life experiences. And I say, oh, no, it's, you know... You still, the Holy Spirit still talks to you. It just wasn't as full and as open in his light. And so, uh, love the Word of God, love the Holy Spirit. So, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, verses uh, 1 through 8. We're looking at uh, the miracle life, and really it's the life of uh, every born-again believer, should be the life of every born-again believer. Uh, we're not just uh, some philosophy, we're not some world religion. We're part of a new world order. We're part of the kingdom of God. We're part of the family of God. We are part of the ministry that God is doing and wanting to perform in the earth today. So we've been looking at the miracle life, and uh, we've gone through the first week, Christ, our model. Second week, Christ, our inspiration. Uh, Third week and fourth week and fifth week, uh, Christ, our response. And this week we're on to our action as his delegates. So I want to read, start out by reading our our main scripture text and theme here. Acts chapter 1, starting with verse 1. The former treaties or letter have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You've heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but you shall receive power 
After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. So the first week we talked about of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, that Jesus was our model. He began to do and to teach so that we could see what he did and what he taught and how he was and really how God was because Jesus said, I came to reveal the Father. I don't do anything of myself except what I see my Father do. I don't even say anything except for what I hear him say. And the times when I've gotten in trouble is when I say more than what he said to say. Or what I say, well, let me tell you what I think about it. Well, really, you don't want to know what I think about it. You want to know what he thinks about it because his thoughts are way higher than your thoughts or my thoughts. They're greater. They're beyond. And sometimes people use that as an excuse to say, I shouldn't even try to begin to comprehend God or the thoughts of God. Well, the Lord thinks that we should because he said, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. And he gave us his word the holy written word of God. Um, Holy means, this is different than other people's words. Holy is just separate, set apart, special. So we're a holy nation, a royal priesthood, and the word of God is holy. It's set apart, it's different. Holy men of God uh, wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So these words are not, in the original form, they're not a man's words. They're man writing down inspiration from God. So, We look at the Word of God, and it is set apart, and it is different. And like I said kind of before I started back into the message, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I started seeing, and the Spirit in me started reacting to the words that he'd inspired other men to write and said, yeah, that's right. That's right. You can do that. That's you. Look at that. Do you see that? And I used the example, uh, I think the last couple weeks of my wife, you know, uh, Luke, where Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me and um, to preach, you know, to the captives, set at liberty the, uh, them that are bound and uh, sight to the blind and how Melody read that. And that's what the Lord said to her. That's you. You can do that. And so we realize when we uh, find truths from the word of God that The way I know it's from God and God speaking to me, uh, many different ways, but one of the main ways is when I look at a revelation, quote-unquote revelation, or something that maybe you haven't seen before that's kind of uh, your attention is drawn to, when I think, that is so simple, how can that be that way? I know normally that's from God because Jesus really didn't come uh, to give us complicated things. He came with parables. He came with simplicity. He came really just to love. And he said, uh, John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance or more abundantly. We learned that life there is the Greek word zoe, which means the life and nature of God or life as God has it. And of course, that includes life in eternity. But whether you're born again or you're not born again, you will exist for eternity. It's just where you're going to exist and the quality of your life. So Zoe is the life and nature of God, life as God has it. And Jesus said, I've come so that you'd have the same life I have, that same life would be in you. And that same life that I have is the same life that God had. Look in in John, the gospel of John is so wonderful concerning those things, is that I'm in him and he's in me and I'm in you, therefore you're in him. So we're connected with God himself 
through the life of Christ, with the life of Christ uh, uh, dwelling in us. But we have to stay connected to that vine. Remember, we talked a few weeks ago. I'm, uh, as I said, I'm traveling a lot right now, and so I had gotten back. And typically, I mow the lawn on Saturdays. So yes, I mowed the lawn yesterday. And when I mow the lawn, you know, here in Virginia, the grass is so green, and it seems green most of the time. And um, Michigan grass was green, but then by this time of year, uh, I was just there this last week working, it's starting to get a little brown and those type of things. But here it seems to stay green, 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 green until you cut it. <laughs> and when you cut it, it starts wilting almost immediately. You know, I'm busy driving, so I don't hit something, you know, so I'm not looking immediately. But when I go back by the next time, I notice that grass started to wilt. It, it started to lose life. And Jesus said, we're to abide in him, abide in the vine, because that's where the life is. And so when you start to feel like, man, I'm not feeling as uh, on fire for God, I'm not feeling as inspired, I'm not as excited about these things, well, then we need to get into the Word of God. See, if we stay consistently in the Word, you'll have that life ever in you. And consistently praying, uh, you know, Paul said, pray without ceasing. Uh, I would paraphrase that as live in an attitude of prayer where you're constantly communicating with God. Sometimes we, we don't always have time to kneel down on our hands and knees and pray before God uh, throughout our entire day, but we can be in a prayerful attitude in connection with God no matter what we're doing. Sometimes people have asked me, you know, hey, should we do this or that or whatever? And then they'll say, do you need to pray about it? Well, sometimes I do need to pray about it because I don't, for whatever reason, I don't sense the answer right on the inside, but other times immediately I know in my spirit. And the religious part of you kind of says, well, yeah, I guess I should pray about it. But really, like, I'm like, no, I already know the answer because I've got it right here because this Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit. And um, so if we stay in connection with God, that life that he has that's in him is able to flow continually through us. I mentioned uh, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Today's English version, I, I believe that's the version. I need to double check that, but... Uh, today's English version says, faith is awakened by hearing the word of God. I really like that because basically when you hear the word, uh, he's given to every man the measure of faith. So we already have the measure of faith. We're not trying to uh, get a measure of faith. We're to take that measure of faith and develop it and let it grow, develop into it. So I'm not as good of a preacher today as what I'll be next week, next year. 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, because I'm going to develop, I'm going to grow with God, I'm going to go with God. And you're not as good of a preacher, a minister, husband, wife, son, daughter, as what you will be if you stick with God next week, next month, next year, because we're forever changed from glory to glory. And the Lord renews us. And as we look into the perfect law of liberty, it's like a mirror. And you begin to see your reflection. And it begins to reflect on you. And, um, you know, even Moses, he got in the presence of God and his countenance changed. Melody went, uh, after her senior year of high school, she went to India. And India is a little bit different. It's a, it's a very spiritual place. Not necessarily godly spiritual place, but a very spiritual place. And she said when she went there, she could tell just by people's, uh, it was almost like a light was shining about their face. She could tell who was Christian and who wasn't. It was that evident. Why? Because the darkness was so dark. So as uh, you encounter dark places, realize that the light shines brighter and brighter and brighter. And um, uh, the gospel that has been committed to us has been committed to us for all people. 
not just for people in the suburbs, not just for people in the inner city, not just for the wealthy people, not just for the poor people, not just for the middle class people, not just for the people like you or the people like me, not just for the black people, white people, red people, yellow people, purple people. It's been committed to us for all men, for all the world. Because he didn't say, go into the world that's like you. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Jesus said that. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. So we're to minister not just to those like us, but to all people, to all men, all women. I remember when I was a a young kid. I'm so happy I don't remember who told me this. (laughs) But I was a teenager, and I said something about, hey, I want to go tell these people about Jesus. I must have been like 14, 15 years old. And somebody said to me, uh, from my church, they said, uh, oh, you're too young to do that. You don't need to do that. And I look back at that, and I think, oh, listen to that. And I think, oh, my goodness, the impact you could have on a young person. Yeah. You know, and I didn't, like, fully pull back, but I wasn't, like, oh, you know, bold about it. I, it kind of took my boldness away. And because um, I thought, well, they know more than I do. I respect my elders, you know, all, all those type of things. Uh, but that's not the truth. The truth is, my little daughter, was it right before we moved here, and then even after we moved here, you know, we go to the park, and she's like telling people about Jesus, and you know, you know, you need to be born again, and we can pray with you, and man, sometimes a little child is the very one that can break through to the hardest heart, not of just another child, but an adult or someone else, and um, It's the joy of the Lord. People see a difference in us. They see life in us. The world doesn't bring life. The world brings death and distraction and pulls out of you where the life of God puts into you. I mean, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He puts that in us, that life when we're born again. It starts flowing in us and flowing out of us. So uh, then the next week we talked about Christ, our inspiration that we look at what he did and we're inspired. Like, whoa, life doesn't have to be the way it was. Maybe I could do that. Maybe I could be a part of that. So he's our inspiration. The next week we talked about Christ, our response. So inspiration was until the day he was taken up. So he came, died, buried, rose again, and then he came back and it said for, excuse me, 40 days he talked to them of things pertaining to the kingdom of God, this new life. The kingdom of God, one way to think of it, is just the life of Christ in you, the life of Christ in me, the life of Christ in a believer. And he came and talked to them for 40 days about that. See, before that, he was talking about all of these other uh, things, and I came to reveal the Father showing all this. Now he has this new life, and he's saying, okay, I only got 40 days, I'm going up, and I want you to be well aware of all of this. So that's our inspiration. After he, through the Holy Ghost, uh, had given commandment, so he gave us a command, we need to respond. Melody, get me some water. I never, I never talked to her that way. <laughs> but I just gave her a command, and she could choose to respond or say, could you please say please? If it was my children, she would say, please say please. Melody, please. Melody, thank you. Um, I really didn't want it. But you're wonderful. You're a wonderful wife. But she has a choice. And you can see that, um, I think, most evidently in your, uh, if you have young children or around young children or even um, maybe sometimes uh, coworkers or um, 
certain industries. I don't want to get uh, political or anything, but I used to work for the government, and sometimes people felt like they had so much tenure that they could just do whatever they wanted to do. And so, same thing. They're given a command. I need you to do this. Well, I don't have to do that. So Jesus gave us a command. We have a choice. We never lose our choice. If we would lose our choice, I think the choice we would lose is to reject Christ. So God would say, you just have to accept Christ, and you're going to be with me forever. It's going to be wonderful, even though you're so ignorant, you don't realize it. But he gave us a choice of free will. And he gave us a choice, and it doesn't stop when we're born again. We still have to choose to follow him. We have to choose to respond to what he said. We have to choose to believe what he said. This week, we're on action, action as his delegates, um, the apostles whom he had chosen. A lot of times we get so hung up on titles and words and those type of things. Apostle simply means a sent one. He's chosen me and he's chosen you. So the ones that he's sent. So he gave commandment unto them. And, you know, of course, he said, wait until you be with power from on high. And then verse 8, once you receive power... Um, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And witness is not only telling people what you've personally experienced. That's one of the best ways to reach people for God is to say, you know what? Here's what my life was. Then Jesus came in, and now here's what it is. But not only that, it's also by how we live our life. So we live our life differently. There's a guy that used to volunteer for me at the church I was associate pastor at in Michigan, and uh, he was, he had a lot of fun, uh, flesh fun in the world. And then he got born again. And when he got born again, I mean, he is constantly like this, like so happy. And then he'll start talking to you about what God has done for him and he'll tear up and he's just so touched by it. And time after time after time, the people he's working with, they'll constantly say, well, Jim, what is it about you? There's something about you that's different. And he'll say, well, let me tell you what it is. Because he came up to them every day and said, I'm a Christian, you should be a Christian too. No, they could see by the way he lived his life, and especially when he faced adverse circumstances. Uh, Dad Hagen used to tell us, you know, anybody can be full of joy and praise the Lord when everything's going well. But if you can be full of joy and praising the Lord when things aren't going well, then it shows your faith. Then it really shows what you're... Uh, that you're not moved by what you see, by what you feel, by what you hear, but you, you believe the word, so you're moved by that. In other words, you're going to respond based on the word of God. <clears throat> he would sit in the meetings when he was pastoring, he pastored different churches for 13 years, and <clears throat> they'd say, oh, what are we going to do? There's not enough money, or this is happening, that's happening, I don't know what we're going to do, and they'd turn to him, and he just said, well, we're going to act like the Bible's true. And one of the simplest definitions of faith is acting like the Bible's true. <clears throat> I think sometimes we disconnect it from uh, our hearts in that faith is not a um, just word you speak from your mouth. It's not just something you believe in your heart. It's something that you've got settled so well on the inside of you that you say, you know what, all this other stuff is happening. People are saying that's all this other stuff, but... I I'm trusting God. I choose to trust God, so this is what I'm going to do. So it's birthed out of that relationship with God, knowing that he won't let me down. He will never let me down. And so I'm going to do what he said. And I have found that to be true um, <clears throat> time after time, working in 
different uh, large ministries in uh, larger places, you'll find uh, sometimes people that aren't always uh, yielding to the Lord the way they should or doing the things that they should, or maybe they have uh, selfish ambition, personal agendas, those type of things. And um, you find people that aren't uh, following the Lord, and sometimes those people will uh, get a promotion. And you think, I, I told my staff one time, I said, you know, or probably multiple times, I said, you know, they're like, well, this person, you know, they're not upright, and they're doing this, and how are they getting all this stuff? And I said, I said that's okay, you, we, we'll talk to people we need to talk to. I said, but you watch them. Within one to two years, they'll either change or they'll be gone. And it's happened like every single time. Because uh, God doesn't always settle up on Friday, but he always settles up. And you cannot walk outside of the word of God consistently and get the blessings of God. But you cannot walk in line with the word of God consistently and not have the blessings of God. You will have the blessings of God. There's some things, you know, you have to activate your faith, different things like that. But the word always works. The word always works. And ultimately, uh, you know, I'm kind of a researcher, so when I see different people researching different things, I think, you know, if I had more time, I would just research that scientific thing in the Bible and I could give you the answer to that question because I know it's in here. Because all in him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and revelation. And any time that people get in line with the word of God, that's, that's when it starts to work. You guys know uh, Paul Youngicho? You heard of him? He was, he's pastor emeritus now, but he was the founding pastor of the largest church in the world over in Seoul, South Korea. And uh, he, he's, uh, of course, South Korean. And uh, he was at lunch one day with uh, the leading neurosurgeon in uh, South Korea, all of South Korea. And they were, a neurosurgeon was talking with them, and he said, you know, Dr. Cho, we have this new discovery. And um, we have discovered, I'm going to kind of paraphrase, we've discovered that the um, speech center in the brain controls the whole action of the whole body. So much so we found this to be the case that when a patient goes in for surgery, if before they go in for surgery, they say, it's going to be bad, I might die, it's not going to turn out well, that they either die or the surgery goes bad. And if they say everything's going to be great, things are going to go well, everything turns out well because of the words of their mouth that they're speaking. And uh, Dr. Cho said, oh, um, I already know this. This is already known. And he said, no, it's a brand, you don't understand. This is a brand new discovery. You can't know this. He said, oh, I already know this. He's like, how do you know this? He said, Dr. James. Tongue, tiny member, control whole body. So that is so true. The Word of God um, takes us to the source of all reality. And the Spirit of God, one translation, if you look at the original Greek, is called the Spirit of Reality. And that has so many facets to it that the Spirit of God takes the things of Christ, the things of God, and makes them real to us. Like uh, the example I was given uh, before I started the message was that I picked up my Bible and I thought, how, how is this in here? Yeah. I, I, I vividly, I will never forget that. When I was a, in, uh, growing up in church, I was a Bible quizzer and we quizzed on the book of Acts and we quizzed on the book of Romans and James, those books. So I knew those scriptures. And so I'm thinking right now when I'm telling you this, this is what I'm saying, it's what I'm telling you that. <clears throat> I, I could see myself in my little apartment and I had... No furniture, like no couch, 
And I think I had bought a bed for $50 from some friends. So I had like a mattress in, in my one bedroom right there. And so I just got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm reading my Bible. And I'm reading in Romans, which I had Bible quizzed on. And I had memorized. And I had learned these. There's quotes in there and different passages. And I can remember I would read it. And I would look up. And I would read it again. And I would read it again. And I'm like, how could I never have seen this? I memorized this. But I never saw it. There wasn't the light there. So the Holy Spirit, he made that so real to me. And before I had seen it, but it wasn't like tangible, touchable, real. Uh, yet I believed it. So what you might say, I mentally agreed with it. In my mind, I was like, yeah, that's true. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of God. It's the power of God that leads me into salvation. Romans 1.16. And, uh, but then the Holy Spirit brought life into that and said, this is real. And it just came so alive to me. So he, you know, uh, he is the spirit of reality. He makes these things real to us. He shows us things to come. He shows us things that we don't understand. He's a teacher. He's a leader. Um, when I was uh, in Bible school, I had uh, just gotten out of the military, active military at least, and went and the Lord provided an opportunity for me to have an IT job. So I worked in the IT career field. And, you know, when I was stationed here and then in Georgia, I used to work shift work. So in the middle of the night, different times, it would be slow. And you're just kind of waiting for something to happen. I was in a lot of watch centers. And um, so I would take that time and learn IT things from the IT team because I was always interested in the computers and stuff. So I spent time with them and learned enough to be dangerous. And so I had learned enough and then interviewed for a position and the Lord gave me favor and I got the position. So I'm in this position and it's not a lot, but it's a little like over my head. So I would just sit at my desk as I'm working and pray in other tongues. And all of a sudden, like, cause I'm like, Lord, I don't know how to do this. So I pray in other tongues. All of a sudden, like, whoop, there's the answer. So oh, I did this, I did this. And I would ask people and I would study and, you know, I, I did all of this. And, uh, but the Lord really worked with me so that within... I think the first year I got a 15% raise, and that was the maximum raise you can get. That was like in April. And then the next year, excuse me, that fall, I got another 15% raise, but 15 was the max you could get. But they did some like waiver or something. So I got another raise. So the Lord really blessed me. And I'm not saying like I'm that amazing. You have to be diligent. You have, because why? We're talking about you do the word of God, and the word says be diligent. So I was diligent, but the Lord gave me favor and helped teach me how to do what I was supposed to do. Um, incidentally, the first people that the Holy Ghost came on in the Bible were craftsmen. So interesting that your job is one of the first places that you find first mentions in the Bible where the Holy Spirit will come and help you, will anoint you to do what you're supposed to do. So... Holy Spirit is, is amazing, but to, that's not today's message. Today's message is our action as his delegates. So he gave a commandment under the apostles whom he'd chosen. So he chose people to be his representatives, his ambassadors. He chose us to be his representatives and his ambassadors. The big question for today, we've had a big question each week. Today's big question is what happens when we discover how much God trusts us? 
What happens when we discover how much God trusts us? And we talked about the other week we have to respond because why? God's up in heaven. He has these huge, big ideas and plans and things that he wants done, but he can't do them. He can't accomplish them without you and without me and without the other believers and without those people that are lost, that don't know him, because he has an assignment for them. Not only does he have life for them, but he has an assignment for them, and um, he wants to work with them. All that Jesus began to do and to teach, if he began to do it, and that was inspired by the Spirit of God, that statement was inspired by the Spirit of God, if he began, what does that mean? He must be continuing that work. So if he began to do and to teach, uh, does that mean that he's up in heaven doing and teaching? Jesus said, the work that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go unto the Father. And then he said, if I don't go to the Father, the Holy Spirit can't come. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't come, what are we going to be like? Uh, I don't know Jesus. Not me. Hmm? Do you know Jesus? No, 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 I don't know him. I don't know him. No, I don't know him. I don't know him. I wish I could make a, a crow like a rooster. I was going to try that, but... And then the same man, after he was full of the Holy Spirit, was so bold and preached and, you know, was used of the Lord to raise the, the lame man and, and on and on and on. And just, they said, if I can just get, let's see if I can do this right. If I can just get the shadow of Peter, Sam, put my shadow on you. If I can just get the shadow of Peter to fall on these, if I can just get him in Peter's shadow, that's the same guy. After he was endued with power from on high. Same, same man. We see that Jesus didn't do any miracles before he was anointed of the Spirit of God. And he said, uh, the works that I do will you do also, and greater works than these will you do because I go unto the Father. So what happens when we discover how much God trusts us? The answer is, when we make that discovery, it motivates us to action. So if you realize, um, you know, in different jobs I've had, especially if you're a, a leader uh, in a position, I, uh, I've been through, at the church I was at in Michigan, went through, I think, three major equipment upgrades, and I was, uh, ended up being like the very technical person there. So you learn really quickly when you're the leader of the department that uh, if you don't do it many times, it won't get done. And you look for people that will treat their position like they own the place, so they care. So I can remember, my goodness, this has been for years. Uh, I guess it goes back mostly when I was in Raymond, went to Bible school, and then was on staff at the ministry there, and traveled with Dad Hagen, and then uh, uh, on the ministry, staff of the ministry in Michigan. And I can remember time after time, I'm the last one there, nobody else is there, and you know, all these lights are left on, this isn't taken care of, and so, and my wife would be there a lot of times with me too, so not like literally the last one, but many times even without her, because she was home with the kids, and I'm taking care of this and taking care of that, because if I don't do it, who's going to do it? Somebody's just going to leave that light on. So the illustration that we gave a couple weeks ago was that you've got this big party, and we're all Christians, and we love the Lord, and we're having a good time, we're fellowshipping, maybe we're getting revelation from the Word of God and sharing it with each other, and a mile up the road, there's this woman with a brand new uh, baby child, and she's walking on the edge, and it's a Virginia road, let's imagine it's a Virginia road in the country, because these are very narrow, no shoulders, 
Up in snow country, there's bigger shoulders. But it's a Virginia road. And so she, she's walking, and this big truck goes by and knocks her down into this uh, cavern. Not a cavern, a, a ravine. And um, we're just having a party, and we don't really care that that happened to her. We could care less. Why? Because we don't know. But if we knew, what would we do? We would drop our food in our mouth and run to help her, run to help the child. But if we don't know, we don't really care. So what we want to do is we want to know, and then we need to know that God trusts us. And that's one of the things that really amazes me. I love authority and studies in authority. And I, uh, I'm always challenged by the fact that Jesus said, I have given you authority. I'm not challenged by it because I don't like it. I'm challenged by it because I think he gave us so much authority. If we don't do something, who's going to do it? Will it ever happen? Nobody's going to do it. Exactly. Because he has given us authority. And he said, you go into all the world. You preach the gospel. You heal the sick. You raise the dead. You cleanse the leper. Freely you have received. Now freely give. So... I'll, I'll kind of close out with this. Smith Wigglesworth uh, was uh, working on a lady's house, and she's in her bathroom, a very wealthy lady, and he's working, and she ends up getting born again. She comes, and, you know, I, you know same type of thing. Why, why are you so happy all the time? You know, what's going on? And she ends up receiving the Lord. And when she does, she said, oh, this is so wonderful. What do I have to do to keep this? I don't ever want to lose this. And he said, you only have to do one thing. In order to keep it, you have to give it away. Give it away. And so that's our job is he trusts us. He wants us to give his life and nature away. And it's like the, the spring that never runs dry. You give it away and you get more and more and more. I remember um, uh, Brother Hagin so many times, we, we had so many experiences with him, but he would say, I very rarely pray for myself. I always pray for other people. And I've found that when I pray for other people, my needs are always met. I'm always taken care of. The Lord always takes care of me. Very rarely did he, did he ever pray for himself. And so in prayer many times, I endeavor to, even if I have some pressing needs, I want to lift other people up to the Lord because I'm not uh, centered on myself. I'm centered on the Lord. And uh, really, really as, as believers, we are redeemed children of God. We have been redeemed from poverty. We've been redeemed from sickness. We've been redeemed from hell itself and from the power of the devil that he would try to put on us. And as that dawns on us through the light of the Holy Spirit, we'll find that our focus is not so much on our things, but so much on the things of other people. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word. Your word is, uh, is life to us. Your word is health to all of our flesh. Father, we thank you that you've not only given us your word, but you've given us the Holy Spirit, that he teaches us all things, whatever you've commanded us, that he brings things to our remembrance, that he shows us things to come. Father, I thank you that your word is uh, not dead, not just words on a page, not just something that we can think, well, that sounds really good, but it's something that is life and affects us and awakens our faith and causes us to be bold for you, causes us to be who you've called us to be, which is Christ in the earth. Father, we thank you for 
uh, every person under the sound of my voice, Father, I pray that you'd give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you and the knowledge of Jesus Christ in knowing you and knowing him. Father, that the eyes of our understandings would be flooded with light, that we would uh, have understanding upon understanding, and Father, that we would be able to take what you've given us and give it to other people. We thank you for your life in us, your nature in us. We ask you for uh, more opportunities this week to uh, tell people about Jesus, to bring your gospel into contact with the lost, Father, to encourage the believers. We thank you for great opportunities that we have fellowshipping with you and loving on people. In Jesus' name, amen.